0: That's always important to have on two-factor authentication because it really is just an extra layer of protection. Like passwords, strong passwords are also really, really uh, important, but also two-factor authentication being on is just an extra layer of protection that hackers have to get through. And it's always a code that is changing, so it's always really hard to actually get into it. It is very important to have that extra, any extra layers of protection that you can put on, it's always important to have.
1: We are looking forward our way. We're in Studio C in the 511 Studios. It's just south in downtown Columbus. This is Brett, and with me as always is Carol. You know, we always have a ton of questions for our next guest, and it's often difficult to limit our questions and probably going to add more dimension to it because we have three in the room with us, Um, and this podcast could last for hours. We'll make sure it's not going to, though. (laughs) But Carol, this is going to be a fun one.
2: It is, absolutely. I've already uh, peppered them with questions that I'm going to ask them and, and uh, over and above the script. So we could be here a while. Um, listeners, hang in there because we've got, we're going to have lots of great information. Um, a lot to unpack today, but where our focus is going to be on technology. First questions are going to hone in on how do we ensure that our family, friends, colleagues who are not as adept at technology can use it and maintain a safe computing environment. Age is not just the issue. Sometimes it's access to technology or the resources to use it wisely. We plan to add another issue to this discussion, though, given the global issues we are now facing cyber attacks it's not if they're going to occur but when and we have to be prepared so let's welcome back our friends mason landrum andy landrum and alex west from nice guy technology
1: hi nice to be here hi thanks for having me back
2: so good to see all of you guys i'm telling you this is
1: this is the first time we had a full room
2: i I was going to say the same thing this table is packed so We are good. And we're just going to go ahead and just get started. And um, listeners, don't forget, we're going to have a list of resources that we talk about today on our show notes. So if you have questions, you'll be able to go directly to the Nice Guy guys. So it'll work very well. All right, Mason, we're going to get this started. We want to give our listeners some information on Nice Guy technology and the services that you provide your clients.
3: Sure. So we serve uh, small to medium-sized businesses, and we are basically what is called outsourced IT. um, For businesses that are a little too small to have their own dedicated um, IT individual, or maybe they've got an individual on their staff that just knows a little bit about IT, Um, we become their IT department for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So they can call on us for anything they need related to support or um, upgrades to computers, um, things like that. And we also work with um, businesses that do have dedicated IT, and we just kind of supplement those individuals, and and maybe take care of some of the more meaningful tasks that they might um, um, need to do. That maybe they could spend their time on other bigger projects.
2: Right. The last time we were talking, we focused in on the issues that um, small and medium sized companies were having, and our message to at that point in time was be prepared. Yes. Don't don't call you. After it's melted down, <laughs> Yes, yes, and try would, to be prepared ahead of time.
3: That would still be the message. Yes. Always be prepared. Always be vigilant.
2: Exactly. Okay. All right. Um, so we've had some discussions, too, on tech issues for older adults and those who don't have access to technology. Um, many people assume that older adults don't do tech. Well, I'm sitting here as an older adult doing podcasting. Now, I do admit Brett is the technology guy, <laughs> but he's teaching me so I can learn. Um, But, you know, during the pandemic, there were a lot of older adults that really proved everybody wrong. They used Zoom. They used Teams. Um, I do like Teams, I think, more than Zoom. Um, (laughs) FaceTime, telehealth, um, other programs for the jobs that they were doing at their homes, all with very little tech support because everybody was working from home. What have you experienced with your non-savvy clients? Are there learning techniques that have worked for you? How do you enhance their computing environment and keep them safe in cyberspace?
0: Well, I know we like to, um, well, we've done a few things before with online learning sessions. Like we did an online session with learning Zoom. So we brought uh, some of our clients into a Zoom call And actually taught them how to use Zoom that way. And really what I've seen with a lot of our clients is we like to, uh, what works is uh, going through the steps with them and really getting them hands on with going through what steps need to be done to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, And... One thing that also helps as well is having sort of a checklist of different steps to maybe do certain tasks on the computer. Like maybe um, the first step will be signing in and then maybe clicking on a certain icon on the desktop or something like that. Right. So really that's two big things that I like to do is really get hands on with some of the clients, like on a um, remote session with them. Uh, walking them through the steps, and then having them write them down as well. That really helps them remember how to do certain things mm-hmm. on the computer as well.
2: Okay. You know, it seems like there's almost three bits to this issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Helping somebody in terms of the real basics. How do you turn on your computer? Where do mm-hmm. you put the password? Make sure you don't, you know, write it down and put on a sticky and stick right. it on your monitor, yes. those kinds of things. Then there are the programs themselves but then there's also a piece where if they're working from home, they need to know and understand how to get into the employer's server databases, mm-hmm. um, if there are any particular special programs like special databases that they use. So there's really three pieces. Have you had experience where you've had to actually uh, go more in depth than uh, in during, through your learning, the online learning sessions?
4: Yeah, we've had a few uh, times where companies will have servers, which is a main reason why you'll need to connect to their network. So we'll either set up a VPN, Mm -hmm. a virtual private network, so that they can connect to the network as if they're actually there, and then access the server that way, or we'll download software onto their computer at home so they can just do a remote session with their computer at work and control their computer at work from home. Great, great. Okay, very good.
3: And I would actually almost add on a fourth piece to okay. to the three that you were talking about is so, you've you've got you know how to how to get into the computer, the programs they use, how to connect remotely, but also with so many people working from home, how to stay safe and secure yes. with your personal computer at home because, um, you know, I mean, you might be bringing your your work computer with you home, which should already have some of the security and protection on it, but if you're not and you're using your home computer for business purposes. You have to maintain that same level of security um, and protection that you would for any computer that's in the office,
2: and and it's it's the twofold. You have to make sure that the employer's information is secure, but you want to make sure your own information is yes. secure from the employer too, and the and the rest of the world. So mm-hmm. yeah, right. very good yes. point. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, when you're seeing this transition that started well two or three years ago now, you probably can read the tea leaves better than anybody else. Uh, do you see a lot more businesses saying to employees stay home we'll do it remotely is this becoming now the situation where we're going to see uh more work from home that maybe we're not the the capacity coming back i i are you seeing trends are you seeing like wow they're not going back that's interesting
0: well i know i've seen a few businesses um have basically told their employees, yeah, we're going to try working from home and see how it goes. And a lot of them have stayed with that because they don't really see a need for their employees to go into the office if this is working well enough. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the things that we had to do with the pandemic um, are actually giving some good insights on maybe how to do business better in the future. Like um, really Zoom meetings are becoming more and more prevalent because it's very easy to do. Everyone can sort of work around their own schedule, whether at home or stuff that they have to deal with. So it's actually very cool to see um, where stuff is going because of this big thing that happened to make us sort of change our ways a little bit.
1: Right. And utilizing the tools yeah. as a tool versus a play thing that we think a computer is a play thing it was like, no, this is actually a tool that we can become right. more efficient at. Yeah, Yeah. interesting, okay, yeah.
3: Or at least businesses adopting a hybrid model. That's kind of what we've done. Um, There are times when definitely many days when we are in the office having to work on, you know, physical computers and things like that, but there are also days where we have worked remotely, um, entirely remotely, and um, it's amazing how efficient you can still be. Um,
2: Well, as somebody who hated commuting, and it would take me anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to get to the office, Needless to say, I'd much rather have an extra hour working on my computer, even half hour, than sitting in traffic. Um, but there is there's a loss of camaraderie. But I think we're also adjusting to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Zoom gets tiring after a while, mm-hmm. but uh, it it's it also cuts down on folks. Um, standing around at the water cooler, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you still have water coolers and you're in social in your work environment. Yeah, but,
1: I think there are a ton of inefficiencies at, with all us being there five days a week. The smoke breaks, the water breaks, the the gossip hours. I mean, yep. if you really look at it that way, we cut those out completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Andy, you uh, probably maybe noticed that clients are in more in need of information regarding hardware and software. Yes. How to how to upgrade devices. Um, yes, they need to do those upgrades electronically mm-hmm. that they're getting pinged messages from Microsoft or whomever, how to protect their devices, how to uh, protect their personal information. Can you give us some info on that?
0: Yes. Um, well, we've actually seen more of an upsurge lately I don't know what the reason might be, but um, of people sort of needing more hardware and software upgrades. Uh, I know one of our clients, uh, they deal with dental work, um, and one of their key softwares required them to be on one of the latest versions of Windows 10. Um, so we helped them upgrade to that, uh, sort of getting making sure that all the software is working properly. Um, but we've also seen... Uh, more clients needing hardware upgrades, like Mm -hmm. with um, the more software that requires more, uh, well, computing power. Um, They've been needing better uh, CPUs, better graphics cards, stuff like that, um, just to make sure that the software is running uh, well Mm -hmm. and they're able to get their work done in a timely fashion because the older the hardware gets and the more advances in technology that happen, um, the slower the newer software tends to be on those older PCs. So it really is important to make sure that you're running at least a semi-recent computer to actually be doing
4: those tasks. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point of just, we've been to a lot of clients that have really old computers like maybe 10 plus years and it'll take it maybe 10 minutes to open the browser and then the if you're not wanting to upgrade then you're just losing that time and you're losing Mm -hmm. that money as opposed to wanting to spend that money to get a newer machine so you can work much more efficiently
2: well and it uh, there's got to be a a a point in which you're more vulnerable too the older the machinery Mm -hmm. the more vulnerable you are and and i always used to to chuckle when folks would say, well, you know, it keeps telling me there's this upgrade. Why do I have to do that? Well, if it's a safety patch, you really need yes. to, to do that. So I, I've got an off the cuff question here that yes. wasn't on my list. So mm-hmm. beware here, um, I, because I just went through this. So I have a fairly new computer, yes. a couple of years old. I just upgraded uh, my Microsoft Office package to 21. And my my computer is still slow as molasses. Mm-hmm. And we did a test on the upload download, and it was at bare minimum. So when I called AT and T Uvers, who I'm doing a, I'm calling them out here, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. You're good. You're good to go." And and my my person who is always helping me at at home on my computer has a different internet connection, who's like ten times faster. So. That's an issue that people have to be aware of. It may not only be older equipment, but if you've got a lousy connection to the Internet, mm-hmm. you're never going to get stuff done. So they, you know, their, their AT &amp;TU-verse, which I'm calling them out again, <laughs> um, their connection was, "Oh, just uh, uh, reboot the modem. I haven't done it yet, so I'm going to have to try that. But yeah, because when you reboot reboot a modem that has your internet, phone, and right. cable, it takes a while. <laughs> so yeah, like, well, and anyway.
3: unfortunately, with UVerse, some technology, broadband technologies like UVerse, um, the speed is determined by the distance that your house is compared to right. their equipment. Right. And so, unfortunately, we we have lived in houses ourselves where AT and T UVerse just wasn't an option. Yeah. Uh, because of the distance right well
2: and they have put in new uh, 5g lines into our complex so um at&t came through and dug everything up during the winter so hopefully when that's all actually connected it'll be better but we'll see i don't know it all i can tell you is my verizon phone doesn't like these new (laughs) 5g lines so
1: I, Uh, i wanted to get a little geeky on that though and ask i mean there, there is something to that, though. Uploads and downloads, yeah. and and you know, obviously you sign a contract for x amount of speed, yeah, one way and the mm-hmm. other. So let's say you dig that up and you know what it ought to be. You know that that AT and T or whoever it might be, they say, okay, this is your this should be your upload speed, this should be your download speed. How can you check that? And 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 how do you know that? Oh, like Mason mentioned, okay, we're kind of distant from the hub but what's allowable, where should you call them out on it? Well, we
0: ourselves use a tool, it's a free website called speedtest.net. And whichever device you're wanting to use the internet on, you just go to there, uh, say for it to start evaluating the speed. So it'll check uh, how much data is being transferred, uh, like download and also upload speeds, Mm -hmm. show you what is actually going on, and um, if it's what you're paying for, then great. You don't have to do anything. Um, But when it ends up being a lot lower than you actually Mm -hmm. believe it's supposed to be, that's probably when you want to contact them and see if there's anything we can do better like maybe there's some faulty wiring or something like that right okay. that would be when you would want to contact them gotcha well, and, my- and, there's,
1: and those speeds are going the download speed's going to be faster than the upload speed isn't that correct, correct. typically yes. and that's due to feeding you media mm-hmm. yeah Ultimately, the, the download
0: yeah. speed is usually faster just because we all consume media much more than we put out right um so like YouTube videos, uh, scrolling through social media, stuff like that, um, it's usually much more beneficial to have uh, faster download speeds than upload speeds because we don't usually put much out there Mm -hmm. and uh, we just consume so much, so it's very important.
2: He hasn't gotten all my email, has he? (laughs) (laughs) You have no clue how much email I can send down. (laughs) Uh, But but, you know, Brett, though, my experience with AT&T, when you ask for more, they'll give it to you but it's going to cost you right so right, yeah. that that's the thing yeah. but um yeah no they uh, my guess is that whatever my contract is it's at the very lowest possible <laughs> level and so they <laughs> they've met that we know that so and I, and I even though I'm doing the shout out on on AT&T they it actually Uverse has worked well for me uh, compared to the others um which are not as well uh, situated in in my community so mm for whatever Mm -hmm. it's worth, I still get my email out. Mm -hmm. And
3: I would suggest, just to be fair, um, if you're gonna do that, go to Mm speedtest.net and test your speed. Definitely test it multiple times and at different times throughout the
1: day. I was wondering about that too. It could be slower, faster in the morning than compared to evening. Well, a lot
3: of times where you see the slowdown is when the kids get home from school Mm -hmm. and everybody gets on their computers at home Mm -hmm. because although they're basically, they're saying with your contract, these are the maximum speeds that you can expect mm-hmm. not necessarily these are the guaranteed speeds mm-hmm. that you can you can ex- expect so you definitely will see times of um when it's busier in your neighborhood um, and you'll see it's lower performance at that yeah. time good right. point thank you yeah yeah okay I'll,
2: I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. we <laughs> did we did do the that speed test which is very easy mm-hmm. I mean it's very easy to do so
0: one more thing I would also add is just being uh, testing it around the house as well because sometimes the connection can be lesser maybe in a certain room than another room Mm -hmm. just maybe because how thick the walls are or just where you are in the house whether it's an upper level lower level something like that, it can really uh, make a difference. Yeah,
1: that's good to know how your house reacts yeah. to that. That's a, that's a good idea too, yeah. Well, we touched a little bit on this, uh, we mentioned social media just a little bit ago. And with the pandemic, it was one way to communicate with others, but there are many downsides to social, social media as we pretty much all know too. Um, Andy, have older clients come to you for assistance? Or, I mean, do you have specific recommendations that you can provide to them? And It's probably universal, quite frankly. <laughs>
0: Right. We have had a few clients come to us for certain social media needs like Mm -hmm. um, we help one of our clients. They're a picture framing company. Mm. So we uh, help them with uh, post creation. So making sure it's the right wording, the right picture, all that stuff. um, Before we send it out, we schedule posts for them um, and we offer Different services like that including uh, website stuff as well so we make sure that their website is fully up-to-date with all the other stuff
4: and make sure that the content that they want is out there
2: Alex any any anything to add to that
4: um less so on the client side but like I'll always get questions from like my mom or my aunt mm-hmm. just asking me oh who's this person on Facebook they're saying that they know me mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of things like that and I think what you want to do in that situation is obviously if if you don't know who it is don't engage. I mean, if it's something important there'll be another way that they'll contact you. But right. just random people messaging you on the internet, you can you can stay away from them. Well,
2: yeah. and I think um although younger folks are kind of getting away from Facebook, it's really is a baby boomer spot now.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um
2: because we figured it out finally. <laughs> but you can't assume so for instance Um, I have a class reunion coming up this year. Well, Facebook's figuring all that stuff out, so they're trying to connect everybody who's identified themselves on our class reunion page and to make sure we're all connected as friends. Hmm. I know darn well that some of those folks who claim to be reaching out to me are not reaching out to me, that it's Facebook doing it. Mm. And so... um, so that's one of the issues that people have asked. So they're like, "Why is so and so?" I'm like, "Don't pay any. T- if you don't want to connect with them, you don't have to." Right. Um, because what you're going to do that, and then they're going to get a message that says, "Oh, they want to connect with you." Kind of thing. Yeah. The the other part that's going on too with with Facebook, people are not careful about the commercials, that the ads that are in that, right. and and you never you don't know what dark corner you're going to. When you start mm-hmm. clicking on some of that stuff.
4: Oh, yeah. One, well, like, just of how accurate the ads can be with just how they're listening. So, mm-hmm. like, we were in Mary's office. We were talking about uh, an office chair that I was interested in. It wasn't going to happen because it was, like, $700. But... Um, I searched (laughs) it on my computer and she never did. And then the next day she was getting ads for it on Facebook for that chair. That doesn't
1: happen now. People say that they can't hear you. No way. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. It It was the, I didn't believe it
3: either, but it was the exact chair in the exact collar. Wow. That was discussed. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow.
2: You know, we had um, one of our very early on podcast guests has an ad on Facebook and she is a, a, a very attractive woman. And this ad has her picture. It, it's a very attractive picture. So if I go into her website and look something up on her website, that ad's popping up on my Facebook page or mm-hmm. other websites that I'm on. And I said, I told Brett at one point in time, it's like she's stalking me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it
2: just comes up every few seconds. And I'm thinking, that's got to be. Expensive for her mean throwing that out there all the time. So it's, it's amazing. But so back to our the notion, the question is really is that people need to be very careful.
4: Yeah, I think you want to just be cautious but still not be necessarily scared of the mm-hmm. technology because I mean, you could be scared of anything and anything bad could happen. But so long as you're being cautious and smart about it, you should be fine just using Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media right. you're on. Mm-hmm.
1: If you are, and this is going off of uh, my mind went to this question because I've seen some of my friends it must be a rash of hijackings again of Facebook stuff. What is, what's the procedure in, in doing that? If you, if you see that your Facebook's being overtaken by mm-hmm. someone, what what are the
3: steps
4: to so, take? I mean, I get a lot of those, not just of someone's like, oh, someone's tried to sign into your account or mm-hmm. that you've recently changed your password. So what I always do is instead of going from the email that it's saying to do, I will go to whatever website and then click on the forgot your password there. Because it would be a lot more unlikely that the website itself was targeted as opposed to just you in particular. Okay. And then I'll go ahead and change my password there. But then what I try to make sure that is always on on anything I use is two-factor authentication. Okay. It is a lot harder to get through that than it is just finding your password and signing in. Because they could have your password, but so long as they don't have that code that's being regenerated every 30 seconds and changing, then there's no way that they can get in. Right,
1: going to your personal device. Yeah. Is it a phone or even if it's coming back to a computer yeah. and such, okay, that sounds good. Yeah,
4: that's, that's always important to
0: have on two-factor authentication because it really is just an extra layer of protection. Like passwords, strong passwords are also really, really uh, important, but also two-factor authentication being on is just an extra layer of protection that hackers have to get through. And it's always a code that is changing, so it's always really hard to actually get into it's like it increases the um protection that you have Mm -hmm. just exponentially the more stuff that you have it on so it is very important to have that extra any extra layers of protection that you can put on it's always important to have
1: because you got to remember bad guys are lazy oh yes definitely they're lazy yeah, bottom line. They yeah. write
0: programs to do what they want to do for mm-hmm. them. So it's like, Right, yeah. right. right. Okay.
3: Well, and related to passwords, I, I will mention, and I never thought of this before, but heard it recently at a conference we were at, that when you're on Facebook, you should be careful about like surveys and things that you fill mm-hmm. out because really they're, they're getting information. You know, they may be asking, what's your favorite pet? What's your... Yeah. What, city where you born in or whatever well if you oh, think about right. that those are the same kind of questions that you answer for your security questions when right. you're setting up your password or resetting your password yeah
1: they can collect a lot of information on you so just be careful what information you do put out there so when they ask my favorite activity i always answer phishing p-h-i-s-h-i-n-g <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer good answer
2: um Alex didn't you do a video on security and mentioned two-factor authorizations?
0: Uh, two-factor authentication yes authentication. I, I'm I sorry. think sorry. I did uh, when we were talking about, um, I think it was a video recently about passwords or right, something like that. Right. Uh, always using good passwords. So um, I, I
2: want to let our listeners know that when they go to the Nice Sky technology website, mm-hmm. they can access all these great videos that Alex is doing with lots of bits and pieces of information. So we'll make sure that's in our show notes too. Yes. So. See, I told you I was watching those. <laughs> you didn't believe me, did you? <laughs> so so the, the next question I'm asking this, this wonderful group of guys here that we have is about digital wallets. You know, What are they, what do they do? And the reason I'm asking is because my cousins are driving me crazy, because I don't have one. Hmm. And I really don't want to put one on my phone. Um, so let's talk about digital wallets and you know how can we utilize them, but how can we do it without risking all of our financial information?
4: So it's just being smart about it, like we were talking about before, using two-factor authentication, like how you would for your normal bank account and anything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, what I use, it's kind of a digital wallet, not 100% like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay. It's called Mm privacy.com. So what it'll do is you'll link it to your main bank account, but then you can just keep creating um, like fake credit cards that will just be auto-generated with random numbers, the... um, Three digit code on the back and like the expiration date and stuff like that, so that you can then use it for certain sites you use a lot if you use Amazon or whatever you're buying on the internet. And then it'll be for that website. And then if that card uh, gets in a breach or they get a hold of your information like that, you can then just cancel that card as opposed to your card at the bank. So that's mm-hmm. the only card number, excuse me, the only card number they'll have.
2: Okay. So the the thing that um, I am, it, to me, it's a mystery. It's like kind of like um, Bitcoin. <laughs> it's out there in mm-hmm. cyberspace someplace. My fear of putting something like financial information on my phone is what if I lose my phone?
4: Well, so like with, with Venmo right now, so like to get into my phone, I have my um, fingerprint or the password that I use. Mm-hmm. And then to get into Venmo, it is either my fingerprint or a different code. So, I mean, if you lose your phone, there's a chance that they could get in it, but if you're taking the correct precautions, it would be difficult for them to do that. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's very important with using uh, either the bio scanners, like the fingerprint readers, or there's also face ID for the new iPhones and stuff like that, where in order to get into certain information, it has to be your face. So the phone has to actually recognize that you are looking at and using the phone. So that's also very important, is having those... Again, extra layers of protection in place like the two-factor authentication, the different uh, bio scanners like the fingerprints and the face ID.
3: And every time you use one of – in a digital wallet, every time you use one of those payment sources, you also have to authenticate yourself as well. Like even if you're already in the phone, whenever you're going to make that payment at the mm-hmm. store, you still have to authenticate yourself with a fingerprint, a password, or um, you know, a face ID.
2: Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. It can be
0: very annoying when you just want to <laughs> buy this one thing, but it is very important to do those steps.
2: Yeah. Well, you mentioned a couple of the digital wallets. So mm-hmm. it's it's Apple Pay.
0: Apple Pay
4: and is one of them. There's mm-hmm. Samsung Pay. I know Google has their own Google Pay. And then, I mean, you can use PayPal, Venmo, um, Cash App, right? There's Cash App. Yeah, there's, there's a lot uh, of them out there's there. There's Zelle as well. Zelle, so, right. Oh,
0: yeah. I
2: forgot mm-hmm. about Zelle. Yeah. Uh, and and the reason i'm i'm Saying that is that somebody asked me if I had a digital wallet, and I had to think twice about what's a digital wallet (laughs) and what what could possibly be on my phone that's a digital wallet. (laughs) So thank you for that.
1: You know, we've talked about issues that older adults have with technology, but I think technology can be a two way street. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm assuming older adults can also provide information or experience to those who are younger. I've had those moments with my kids. Try to, (laughs) but um, Andy, do you have some examples? of that stuff that's going on that you know that you're actually learning from an older adult that is like oh that's cool didn't know that
0: well yeah um, I've learned a little bit from even some of our clients and maybe some of my relatives as well just like different ways that they would use technology because they're so used to using uh, physical materials and stuff and just like uh, having the convenience of pretty much having like your phone can be a note-taking tool as well, and making sure all you have like lists of all kinds of different things on your phone as well. One thing I know I have learned from a, a lot of older individuals who use technology is ways that I can teach them better about mm-hmm. certain technology. So like when my grandmother asks, uh, hey, how can I send a picture to you through texting or something like that? I really have to think about a way that I can explain it to them that they will understand. And it makes me a better teacher to then teach some of our clients, maybe some other uh, younger people as well who don't really necessarily understand all of the lingo or all of the different terms. So um, it's made me a better teacher Teacher and also I learn from that more as well. So it, really, they do in a way teach me more about the technology that I already know.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, it always bothered me, and I don't know whether the technology piece came into this "Hey Boomer" movement. <laughs> um, I think it was more social and that sort of thing. But it was it was bothersome because I think we can all learn from each other. Yes, as you just stated, mm-hmm. to teach each other better. Yes, and why not take advantage of that? I mean, that's what that's why technology and software developers are focused on UX, user experience. Mm-hmm. And they wanna make it universal for everyone to be able to use. And if they hit a home run, those apps are very popular. And when yes, they don't, yes. they don't get that feedback. And it's just the developer in mind is like, oh, I know everybody will learn this or be able to use this. It doesn't work. But I, I, again, I think I'm... I'm i, I I, I'm hoping that, you know, that that boomer thing was not that I, I never really dove into because it, it just sounded too much, uh, too negative to, to right, keep following yes. him. But um, I like I, I, that's refreshing to hear a younger generation hearing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Even if you're 10, 15, 20 years older than I am, I need to learn from you because I need to, I need to learn how to teach you. you yeah, know,
2: that that's a good point. Uh, Brett, when I would um, work with my clients who were looking for jobs, and the employers would look at me and say, those folks are too old, they don't know technology. My response always was, they know technology, they just learned it differently, they use it differently, Mm -hmm. the tools are different to them, Um, size matters, you know, iPhones are sometimes Mm -hmm. just too darn small for people to use, that's why I moved from an iPhone was to get to a larger phone. Um, but when you think about it and you think about games, what's a popular game? Solitaire. We all know how to play solitaire. We didn't have to learn to play solitaire. We only had to learn how to click mm-hmm. so that we could play it. And Wordle, I love wordle. <laughs> well, it's like doing a crossword puzzle. same thing right, right. So it so it it really is that older adults can not just maybe give you some hints, but actually some. Ideas on how to better prepare them if you understand where they're coming from with the technology. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, good. See, there's nothing wrong with us boomers on technology.
0: That's also a cool way to look at it. Where um, I, I I like that idea of like having games be a teaching tool. Like where a lot of I play video games myself, um, and a lot of the games that I would play, uh, it teaches you the basics with fun. Uh, sort of little games within the game Mm -hmm. to sort of like teach you how to use the tools that you have at your disposal. So it really is a cool way of looking at teaching is like making it a fun thing like, hey, I want you to do this one thing, but it's really teaching you a deeper aspect of what Mm -hmm. you're learning. So it is really cool to think of it that way.
2: I I think we had a conversation the last time we were talking that when I was at Ohio State, and we were a hub of the World Wide Web, mm-hmm. uh, before, you know, when the internet was first exploding, um, most of the IT guys on campus were philosophy majors. I mean, they there wasn't mm-hmm. training for computer programming at that point in time, really, other than maybe math majors did it. But philosophy majors had that thought process that mm. worked well in learning to do computing. Um, And so I can't tell you how funny it was that, you know, we would, the the lingo was very different. They would tell me things like, Carol, when you turn your computer on, they didn't give me the technical stuff that's going on. They just said, it needs to do a handshake. Just give it time to do a handshake and it'll be fine. For whatever (laughs) that's good, good that was, I mean, that it taught me that it needed a minute to get itself in line. And so I understood what was... I couldn't just start typing.
0: That is a so. cool way to look at it because um, some computers, depending on what um, specifications they have, right? Um, I almost like to think of it when you turn it on, it needs to wake up first. Some people, it takes them a very long time to wake up. I <laughs> exactly. need like five or six different alarms <laughs> exactly. to actually get out of bed in the morning. Exactly. So some people, it is very natural to them where the sun rises and it's like, oh, I'm awake. So... Uh, it's the same way for computers, depending on what's uh, the parts that are inside them and how they function. It just sometimes is faster or slower, depending. So you, it is very interesting to look at it that way.
2: I'm, I'm going to ask one more question on this, this topic. Earlier, you said that you had put together some online tutorials for your clients. Right, yes. Have you noticed different needs in those on- online tutorials for younger clients and older clients? Um, or do they tend to be more for older clients?
0: We haven't necessarily explored um, what uh, different needs that younger, older clients will need uh, based off of that. But we tend to focus our uh, online content uh, and uh, information towards uh, a more mature audience. Uh, because those are usually the individuals who... Uh, uh, are mostly in charge of the businesses, mm-hmm. so they usually have more, um, uh, well, life behind them. I guess like more experience with actually owning a business. So we usually uh, cater our content towards those older audiences, and they usually do have information told in a way that is more easily understandable.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So Mason, I'm going to do a little dogleg here on topics, and and uh, really talk a little bit about what we're facing right now globally. Um, we're getting a lot of threat assessments and uh, warnings from the government that com- companies need to be at their top level of cybersecurity. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've heard?
3: Sure, that that is definitely true. And we have sent out notices to all of our clients as well to be hypervigilant um, right now. Um, well so far the the attacks related to um, the fighting in between Ukraine and Russia and things like that um, while most of that has tended to be centered on either um, government entities, infrastructure, um, like utility companies, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that um, small businesses are increasingly every day um, coming under attack right. from um, from hackers and the basic reason is, Small businesses have information to exploit, but they don't have the budgets for the big tech to protect that information. Right. So they are an easy target. So um, while we haven't seen a lot of attacks on small businesses right now, um, you know that that's going to come, um, and it's just going to keep increasing.
2: And um, it doesn't matter where you're located—Central Ohio or New York City.
3: No. Yeah. It's it, it, again, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's not a matter of if, but but when it's going to happen. Right. Um. It will. um, and um the unfortunately, the risk is increasing every day, whether it's related to wars that are going on in the world or just the fact that um there's there's more and more individuals realizing that money can be made from from this type of, um, you know, from from hacking and and um, I guess the general word word would be um, Criminal, um, what is it? Mm. Like criminal project? activity? Criminal activity, right. yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah.
1: right. You imagine all of the, if you, if you turned all that evil into good, <laughs> what our world would be like today. That's yeah. what I think all
0: the time is like, oh, the, man, these it's so people are,
1: yeah.
0: are working so hard to just be bad people. Like, oh, you yeah. just get information illegally. And it's just like, if you worked this hard at like, trying to improve your skills in a, A better uh not better but like more uh ethical way protective yeah yeah Yeah,
1: i know exactly honestly
0: you could use those skills to help protect other people because you're writing that code to then exploit it so you know the the um plot or the holes that you can get into Uh, so that would be much more lucrative, I
1: feel like. I would think so too. That yeah. you you have the answers. Like I'm the only one with the key to this. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm going to hold you hostage, but it's right. one of those. I found your hole. Mm-hmm. I I've got the answer here. Yeah, and just go from that. But, and most companies have
3: mm-hmm. um, a way for you to um, send in exploits that you have found in their software to to technical individuals, so they can start fixing them. And throughout history, there have been a few um, hackers that have turned to from the dark side to to being helpful, <laughs> I mean that are high paid uh, technology and security consultants now, but for the government
1: and beyond. Yeah, there was a uh, an interview with a gentleman uh, via AARP. It was one of their, anyway, whether it was their monthly newspapers or the uh, I don't know which what it was, but I uh, they show his face at the very beginning, and he must have been a very high profile type of guy. But he went to the good. His name is Brett Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I don't need this right. And there was no nothing happened from it. But going, oh my god, my name really? This dude's name is my name. <laughs> <laughs> thank God he went good <laughs> exactly. of course, I had to read the article, but it, it was one of those oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me <laughs> He changed his ways. It's fine now <laughs> I know, thank goodness, thank goodness, but yeah I did I didn't catch any flack for that from anybody, so no one else read the article either, so it was good hey. oh my gosh
0: uh that well, is that is one thing I know Mason you talked about it earlier, but um where small to medium-sized businesses are really in this sweet spot of having a lot of data that can be exploited, but also not having the resources to really protect that data. And that's why uh, really we do what we do. It's to help those small, medium-sized businesses be uh, protected from all of this. these threats. like That's just really important to have this good business-grade antivirus software and like i said in probably one of the videos that you watch recently uh being backed up uh, in a way that um you can recover that data if something ever happens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or when that happens because it's not if but when um so it is just really um why we do what we do is to really help those small medium-sized businesses be protected be efficient and really focus on not uh, worrying about when this is going to happen, but that they can recover when this happens.
2: And and it's not, you aren't going to click on a bad link and they're going to steal your money tomorrow. You're going to click on that bad link and they may steal your money five years from now.
0: Right, because uh, it, it stays on your computer. It's like right. it hides. Like I watched a video recently on YouTube That was about uh, a virus that went around to businesses all across the globe. in I think it was maybe 2004. It was in the 2000s. But it was the I love you virus. Mm -hmm. And it uh, took the form of an email that was sent that said in big capital letters, I love you. And uh, in the email, it said, click this uh, uh, file to see this love letter that I wrote for you. So it disguised itself as a... Um, like a secret admirer type of thing. So when you open it, it actually replaced a bunch of your files secretly. Like it uh, replaced a bunch of your files, renamed them the same thing. So it just uh, took, take all of your information and it then proceeds to send that same email to everyone in your contact list. Wow. So it just grew exponentially. And that's, I think when, Big um, antivirus laws were actually put in place to sort of
1: help prevent that. Because um, at that time we would have been very ignorant of that. Right, early two thousands. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you no know, one, no one knew that it was a thing. Like a thing. It, it
0: wasn't a problem back then. Right. So it's yeah. like now that people know what's going on, it's much. It's very important to actually be protected as much as you can.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as we end, of course, this this episode could go on for hours, as, mm-hmm. as we're yeah. hearing, but let's go around the table, and, and we always ask our guests, you know, some words of wisdom. I'll, I'll start with Alex. I mean, what do you suggest for our listeners today? One, one takeaway, whether we've talked about it or something's popped in your head.
4: I would say make sure you have two-factor authentication set up. With that, I don't have to worry about anyone getting into any of my accounts. It honestly really is just a, a big relief. Okay.
2: And it is painful to have to deal with on a regular basis, but it's worth it.
4: Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For me, I would say uh, technology can be scary, but don't be afraid of it. It um, really is a powerful tool to help you in everyday life and work life. Um, And I would say another thing, just be curious about it. Learn Mm -hmm. as much as you can about Mm -hmm. it, because the more you know about it the easier it is to going to be to use to fix any problems that might appear and just the the better relationship you have with technology the better because it really is what um life is going to be from now on is just this technology is going to keep growing and growing and it's going to be a part of
3: our lives so might as well get used to it yes <laughs>
2: Syrian alexa are out there so
3: yes yeah
1: exactly <laughs>
3: Well, and my bit of wisdom is one that I think I've done on every podcast that, that we have done so far. And and sounds boring, but very important. Backup, backup, backup. Oh, yes, It is the one thing that you can do that will almost always help you recover from anything that happens, whether it's a, a cyber attack, um, your computer um, dies for some reason from a hardware failure, it gets stolen, whatever. If you have your data backed up, That is the biggest thing that you can have um, in place to get you back up and running and recover from any type of catastrophic event.
2: I I think I'm going to add my words of wisdom, and that is that I think our conversation today proves that there are people that we can go to to give us the information we need. And so listeners, that's the most important part of, of all of this is that if you have any questions regarding what we've discussed, there are people that you can talk to such as our nice guys here around the table. (laughs) So thank you, all three of you so much for coming and and being with us today. Of course. Uh, Don't forget listeners to um, check our website and all the show notes and we'll have all this information and how you can contact Nice Guy Technology yourself. And we're looking forward to hearing feedback from all of you on this and all of our podcast episodes.